Hallelujah, yes. Thank you, Lord, for us being here. So we're going to start off in uh, Hebrews chapter 10 for the law having a shadow of the good things to come. And not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshippers once purified would have no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. And to help his, uh, the author's readers press on and keep following Christ, the author here is going to great lengths to demonstrate the superiority of Christ's priesthood, his sacrifice, and the new covenant he mediates. Okay, After all, if you don't keep growing with Jesus, there's nowhere else to go. Christ's eternal Malchizedek uh, priesthood is better than the temporary Levitical priesthood. The new covenant accomplished what the obsolete old covenant could not. And unlike the repeated sacrifice of the Old Testament system, Christ's sacrifice atoned for sin once and for all. The law can't save you. It was a shadow of the good things to come. It can't perfect the worshipers. It can't perfect them through sacrifices repeated year after year. That doesn't mean the law was evil. The law was good. But we need to understand the purpose of the law. It reveals our sinfulness and weakness. The law can't fix you. It can only condemn. Have you ever had a police officer pull you over and congratulate you for obeying the speed limit? Never ever. Of course not. His job is to reprimand you for breaking that law. The law's job was to prove that you and I are sinners based on the holy standard of God. The sacrifices offered in accordance with the law couldn't purify your conscience. The law couldn't make you good, and the sacrifices couldn't take your sin away permanently. Instead, the annual sacrifice were a reminder of sins. It says here, it was a reminder of sins, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. See, God didn't provide the law in the Old Testament sacrificial system to fully and finally address the problem of sin, but to prepare and point the way to something better, something greater, right? Something greater. And Jesus Christ came to accomplish what the Old Covenant, its priests and its sacrifices, could not. What he could not. Therefore, when he came into the world, it says here in verse 5, therefore, when Jesus... When he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. Verse 7. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Verse 8. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering burnt offerings offerings for sin you did not desire nor had pleasure in them which are offered according to the law then he said behold i have come to do your will o god he takes away the first that he may establish the second by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of jesus christ once and for all see jesus christ came to accomplish what the old covenant its priests and its sacrifices could not 
He was uniquely prepared to provide a once and for all sacrifice to please God and satisfy the demands of his holiness. The quotation from Psalms 46, 8 and 10, and also uh, chapter 10, 5, 7 supports this very thing. Jesus came to do the will of God perfectly. Did you hear that? He came to do the will of God perfectly. Something we are not, something we cannot do. And by his perfect obedience, see, we have been sanctified once for all time. Everything you have broken ha has kept. If you have trusted in Christ and dwells in you, and he dwells in you, therefore you have that fulfillment, the fulfillment of God's standard within you. By Christ's death, you have been sanctified. That's it. You've been set apart for God's purposes and glory. You've been set apart to be Christ's kingdom companion and to live your life in submission. A submission to what? To his lordship and kingdom agenda. The Levitical priests were fighting a losing battle. And every priest, and it says here, verse 11, and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, see, he says, but this man, and the capital M is in man is to let you know is we're talking about Jesus again because right after that, after he, and we're talking about that man, the capital H, he, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice, one sacrifice for sins forever, because these priests were uh, all repeatedly offering repeatedly the same, the same sacrifices, and they couldn't take away the sins of anyone. You see, over and over and over again, people coming to them and repenting, people coming to them and, and talking about their sins, giving them up. Okay, so they now... He had offered one sacrifice for sins forever. And Jesus sat down at the right hand of God. The man. From that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Verse 14. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Verse 15. But the Holy Spirit. And here we go. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. Witnesses to us. What does the Holy Spirit do? He witnesses to us. For after he had said before. This is the covenant. That I will make with them. After those days. Says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts. And in their minds. I will write them. Then he adds. Their sins. Whose sins? Just a few. He's talking about everyone. Their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. The whole world. Those that are going to follow and seek Christ. Now where there is remission of these. There is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore brethren. Having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By a new living way which he consecrated for us. Through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed and watered. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. He who promised is faithful. And let us consider 
one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, and so much the more as you see that they approaching, as you see that they approaching. See, the Levitical priests were fighting on and losing that battle. They offered the same sacrifices time after time, which could not take away sins. This, however, was all part of God's plan so that at the right time, he could send this man. And who was the man? Jesus, that's right. The last Adam, the last man to offer one sacrifice for sins forever, then sit down at the right hand of God. Israel's high priest never sat down because his work was never done. But Jesus finished the job. He was able to sit down. You get that? Where he was able to sit down at the right hand of God. Not just at the right hand of God, but he was able to sit down. Listen to that. He was able to sit down. The high priest was never really able to sit down because his work was never done. He couldn't complete it. He constantly over and over, all the time, sacrificing for the same things, doing the same thing over and over again. And it just wasn't happening. The sins were not being removed. The sins were not going anywhere. The job was still not done, not completed, and he continued on till Christ came. The man Christ came and did what? Completed it. Completed it. And when he sat, it was in the seat of authority to exercise his kingdom rule. And from this throne, this priest king is waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. At Christ's return, everyone, those who submit to him, now and those who don't, will be placed under his authority and he will rule in his millennial kingdom. That is righteous program. Then, be what guides your decision-making and actions. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. Remember that. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. By his grace... He accomplished God's purpose for you and set you apart for his use. He has defeated Satan and sin so that nothing separates you from God. He has redeemed you forever. Your salvation cannot be lost. This doesn't give us a license. We hear a lot of preachers say this doesn't give us a license to sin. It sure doesn't. But people do it anyway. They're cocky. They go out and do it anyway, especially today in the world, the way things are coming up, where the children of disobedience are coming. I mean, that's a different, that's a different sermon. Why give your life in service to anyone else? Here, in Hebrews 10, 15 through 18, here the author quotes again from Jeremiah 31. Through the new covenant work of Christ, God puts his laws on your heart. That means God's standard is within you. That's why you experience conviction when you sin by breaking his law. That's why you feel horrible the next day or, or minutes later afterwards. You were convinced. You were drawn into the sin. You were enticed to do it. And you fell, sin, and were separated, divided, separated from the Father spiritually. You died. That means God's standard is within you. That's why you experience that conviction. Moreover, he has also given you the Holy Spirit to enable you to obey. As you grow in your Christian faith, you become more aware of the fact that you fall short of God's standard, but increasing your desire to obey him. Are you hearing this? 
hearing what I'm saying to you? The Holy Spirit to enable you. He's given us that Holy Spirit to enable us to obey. That's where people can't say, oh, I, I can't. It's hard. You have to dig in deeper, go into the throne room. Grow. How do you grow? You continue reading the word of God. You keep praising him and talking to him and, and walking with him. You grow. You become more aware of the fact that you fall short of God's standard. But in all this, you increase your desire to obey him. At the heart of the new covenant is this beautiful promise. What was the promise? That I'll let you slide here and there? No, it says, I will never, never, it says, I will never again remember their sins. I will never again remember their sins. The sin debt is paid. There is complete forgiveness. No further offering for sin is needed. It's over. Se terminó. Se acabó. It's done. Finished. Finito. Thus you are free to walk with the Lord to please Him and to pursue His purpose for your life. Whose purpose? Uh, Bobby's purpose down the road there at the uh, <coughs> uh, U-Pull-It section. I go there to get some parts for my car. And I have to take control of it myself. See, no. It's to please Him and to pursue His purpose for your life. Not your, not your pleasure. God never said go out and find happiness. He never said go out and find happiness, but yet he said seek the kingdom of God first. Is this not what we're talking about here? Why we were freed from that law so we can walk with the Lord to please him and to pursue him and, and the, you know make that a purpose in our life. What is making that a purpose in your life? To wake up every day wanting, needing God, wanting and needing to talk to Jesus, wanting and needing to pray to him. Praying for others, looking for those that are trying to do something good in the world and fighting for them, anointing, sacrificing your own time to help those that want to do something for the glory of God. Not to sit there and say, well, look there, uh, they're going to go out and do that and here we are just going to watch them. Oh, we're going to pray from right here. Oh, Lord, please sanctify them. Let them be blessed and all the things they're going to do for you. All right, thank you very much. We all can do that from home. We can do that from our car. We can do that from a box. A cardboard box, homeless, we can do that. That's not what he's saying. He said, I have freed you from the law. I have freed you from the law. And the problem is today that a lot of us, we sit inside our, our denominations, our congregations. and Not that it's a bad thing. It's not an evil and bad thing. It's a good thing, hallelujah. But I'm saying is that we gain comfort from it. I've heard a... a, a Another several preachers speak on this as well. We've gotten comfortable. We've gotten so comfortable that we sit down and we pray from a box. We pray from the seat where we're at. Yeah, that's good. But let's go. Let's move forward. We were freed. Freed to do walk, to walk with the Lord, to please Him. What pleases the Lord? What pleases the Lord? Well, we're going to get to that. See, because some people, or the part that we read here in chapter 10, where uh, 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 there's a part where it's in verse 24, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. This is what it's about. Bringing right down to the point here. Let us stir each other up. So is it one person's job to stir everyone up? No. The preacher at the pulpit, he can stir everyone up. 
The Father speaking through him, the Holy Spirit moving him at that moment in time can stir everyone up. Yes. So then therefore there is one man chosen. Oh, what was that word? Chosen to stir things up. To stir things up, right? But together we're all supposed to be in the priesthood. We're all in the family, in the body of Christ. We all are of that assembly of Jesus Christ. Is this what we're talking about? Or we're talking about a denomination? Are we talk, is he talking about the author here talking about a denomination? Is he talking about the Leviticus? What is he talking about? Well, let's get to that after. And, and the thing is that here, after this long, powerful discussion of superiority of Jesus Christ and his work, the author returns to the matter at hand. The readers are struggling uh -oh, uh oh the readers are struggling. They had encountered trials and had become complacent. They were neglecting their salvation and refusing to go on to maturity. They were refusing to go on to maturity. They needed a reminder of what they had in front of them. They needed a reminder of what they had and have in front of them. Them had, so we're talking about those back then, right? But what about right now? How about those that are in an assembly, those that are together, those readers, those that have come together, refusing to go on to maturity? What do we mean? What do I mean by that? Well, what I said, well, we, what I read earlier to you about how Jesus wants us will never again remember our sins. Father God said, I will never again remember their sins. The sin debt is paid. Remember, this is complete. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. No further offering for sin is needed. So why do we sacrifice ourselves and stay in one place, one place put? Let's move on. Let's move. Let's go. Christ said, go out and make disciples. Don't sit back there and pray for them from here. Glorify the Father in heaven by moving and having faith in your works together. Well, you go out and do what? You go out and, and reach out to a brother or a sister that's moving in the community, moving somewhere in in, in walking, walking uh, uh, through that valley, huh? Through that dark valley, reaching for those to save, to plant a seed here and there. Don't don't throw salt on them. Pray for them. Go and fight with them. Stand with them. Say, I'm going in with you. I'm going to go in there with you because I understand clearly that I've been freed to walk with the Lord, to please Him. And something like this is going to please the Lord and to pursue His purpose for my life. And what is His purpose? To gain souls. To save as many as He can. Remember, God doesn't want to leave anyone. We have the choice. But if we were sent, we were sent to consider one another so we can stir up that love and the good works in this manner. And we cannot forsake the assembly of ourselves together. As in the manner of some, there are some. And those some are the ones that are doing evil deeds, that are staying away, that are re intentionally rebelling, intentionally staying away, intentionally sitting back in the pews even and saying, this is where I stay. Well, this is where I got, you know. I got corns on my toes. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about 
us that are saved. See, because we've already been set free. Hallelujah. We've already been set free for the glory of God that we can walk with him, that we can please him and live our lives for his purpose. Once again, let me repeat it to you. So we were freed to walk with the Lord, to please him and to pursue his purpose in our lives. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about those that are out there that are lost that we have to reach out. We have to reach out. Go to them. What's it? Is it too much work? But wait a minute. God, it chooses. Huh? He has chosen those that will go forward because there's a lot crying out. Who will go? I'll go send me. I'll go send me. Remember those that kneel down and say, God, my Lord, my God, use me as a tool, as an instrument for your glory, for your purpose in my life. For your purpose, hallelujah, in my life. This is what we're doing. We're, we're rebuking everything of, uh, of our na nature, of the things that we want to do. We're saying, no. I've been set free. I've been set free for a reason, for a purpose. Those brothers and sisters that come up, come out of addiction, doesn't just have to be drugs addiction. Any addiction at all in the world that has you conformed to the things of the world, that has you blinded to the things of God, and you break free. Did you do it alone? No, you didn't. You needed the will of God. You needed the help from the Holy Spirit where He placed you at a table to receive not just physical food, Nourishment for your body, but also nourishment for your spirit. Something we uh, lost focus on when we were out there in the, in the streets, conforming to the world. And he brought us up, pulled us out of the pits of hell to bring us to the table to receive. But in return, we had to come to recognize that freedom and understand what it is to be free. And when you're free... You start to put all those old things away. And not just in a box and store it in your attic. Well, let me put this here box in the attic just in case maybe one day got to go back and go down memory lane and remember what it was like. No, you don't need that because that person died. That man or woman has already gone away. There's no more. There's no more. There's no more remembering of those things. If God doesn't remember our sins ever again, why? Forgive yourself as well and throw them things away. Bury them in the casket. Close that casket. But get rid of everything, even those soiled shoes. Don't keep them on because a lot of brothers and sisters keep them on and they walk around and they forget. Because they're not looking right under their nose of what's there. They're looking ahead. Out at other people. See? Don't forget your shoes. Put those shoes in there too and say, I no longer walk in the steps of that dead person. I now walk. I now walk with the Lord to please Him and to pursue His purpose in my life. And this is where we have to stay focused on. We get comfortable. We get comfortable in our assemblies. We get comfortable. That's what he's talking about here. Look, look listen, 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 listen. In light of who Jesus is and what He has done, we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus. The author is again using the imagery, the tabernacle. You couldn't just go waltzing into God's presence in the most holy place. Remember that? Only the high priest could enter. 
Well, why? And he could only do it once a year. So that once a year he would come to bring all the sins of the, uh, bring people's sacrifices, but through the blood of Jesus, our great high priest, the curtain between God and humanity has been removed. That curtain is gone. So step out. You've been freed. Access has been granted. You can now enter into the presence of God. And you can come with confidence. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to tiptoe. Just draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. With this kind of access to God, we come into His presence boldly. Prayer comes vibrant when we become real. And what I mean by becoming real, what's this meaning here? Becoming real is stepping out. Like I was telling you, go forward. You see a brother or sister out there doing it, go. You know who they are. They're part of your assembly. They're part of your congregation, your denomination. Go forward. Find a way to continue glorifying God through that purpose, through those works. The question is, how many of us can sit there and say, well, I got faith in God that he's going to lead me and use me somehow, some way. In fact, I preached about this before. Those that keep Jesus in their pockets. You want to keep Jesus in your pocket and it's not going to work. Because he's going to ask you, what did you do with the time that I have given you? What about that? Some things fall here and there. And you can't pound on this. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. So here, we're talking about why we were set free. And these things come to us, right? There's no need to be ashamed. Have you ever heard someone beat around the bush because he's afraid to get to the point and address to the problem? We never have to do that with the Lord. God knows our issues and he's dealt with our problems. In fact, our hearts are sprinkled clean. Did you hear? Remember that? Verse, uh, chapter two, verse 22. Our hearts are sprinkled clean. Our bodies are washed in pure water. He's just waiting for us to start a conversation every day. He's waiting for us to draw near to him. And we can do this with confidence. And we can be real with the Father. Boldness in drawing near to God. Critical for avoiding divine discipline associated with willful sin. See, the author is about to address this. The willful sin are those that are intentionally being disobedient to the Father. And there's issues, even in my part, I mean, there's times that I just absolutely cannot. And people misunderstand you right away. And I believe that once that, that, that spirit of confusion, of doubt of someone or something that's glorifying God, okay? And, and that the, 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 the enemy comes and starts to season it. Oh, yeah. He'll come and start to season it, you see? And season it, season it. But why does he season it? So those that are sitting back, those that are constantly doing the same thing over and over again and not actually going out, hey, let me pick it right off for you. Let me pick it right, pick it back right off of this ministry or that ministry or this is going on. Forget all that. Go in faithfully. Do something different. Make waves for the Lord. Remember, we're to please Him and pursue His purpose, 
Not the way man sets it forth for you to do or says, well, these are the guidelines. We need to follow these guidelines. Been like doing like, you know, last 50, 60 years we've been doing it. So now, you know, it's written in stone and we got to keep on doing it. What that farmer said is horse what? Horse squash. I don't, I don't get it. Horse squash. I guess he's talking about crap. It's a load of it. Where people say, well, I'm going to sit back and, and just chill here, keep Jesus in my pocket. But then, whoa, then they get offended with something. Uh-oh, how quickly they, they you stir up the hornet's nest. Uh-oh, there's bees all around. Look, be real with the Father. Be bold in what you're going to do. Don't be afraid. Let us hold on to confession of our hope. Verse 24, right? Don't persist in rebellion against God. Pursue Christ and grow in grace. <clears throat> there are times where people look at me and they say, hey man, how come you're constantly going through these things? How come it's a constant circle for you? I've asked the same question too. And what God has shown me is that I keep on going forward because I'm still using you. I am still with you. Well, nobody's perfect. I, maybe I've made a decision to do something. Or made a decision to get into something that was not necessarily me waiting on the Lord. That I didn't speak to him first. I didn't go into it. So therefore, is there's a consequence. There's a consequence that I had to face for getting into things without the Father telling me to go into it. Hey, was it evil? No, it was to glorify him. And I thought, yeah, I can go into this. And a lot of us do. We sit there. We're in, we're in our churches and we sit back and we're thinking, this is what God wants me to do. He wants me to continue doing this. He wants me to continue doing that. We've been set free from those laws that keep us and hinder us. We're supposed to come back to refuel in our churches. You know, it talks about here, the, the author speaks of, uh, Apostle Paul here speaks of, uh, um, uh, uh, the assembly, of course, but it's also talking about a local, a local church, you see, because a local church means it's, it's you know, within your grasp, it's, it's, you know, close by, it's in your town, it's in your town. But when someone comes out and says things like, let us hold fast to confession with our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful, we need to believe that. Believe what you say. You want to hold it fast to the confession of your hope without wavering. What is the hope? That we were set free. That truthfully we were believe in Him. That, that we have forgiveness. That we walked free to walk with Him. To please Him. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. As is the manner of some, but exhorting one another in so much the more as you see the day approaching. When you see these things, the time coming, right? Listen, but what if you refuse to let others help you? That's something totally different. They were avoiding the means God had provided to them to help them. Remember, when your get up and go has gotten up and gone, you needed someone that, that can lift you up. You need somebody that can lift you up. Look, if you're wondering how to do, uh, what to do in the hard times come, how to get closer to God, 
this is what the local church is for. You need church. When you're first coming in, you need to learn all these things. You need to refuel. You need to uh, uh, reboost yourselves and, and show that love and spread the love. Remember, the veil has been torn. When you go into a church building, it doesn't mean that God is there the minute you get there. Someone's bringing God's presence. Someone is asking God and praying to God, be with us here today. Hallelujah. Because if we're starting thinking, no, God is already there in every little house, then we're believing that he is again behind that veil. He's at the altar. Now we need to be careful what we do then, huh? If that's truth, we need to be careful what you put up there. Somebody might fall out and die. But this isn't what we're looking at here. We're looking at the fact that we've been freed from those laws. We're looking at the fact that, yeah, you need a church to go there and receive from other people that are faithful, that have been, been in the Word for a long time, you know, that are faithfully doing the things that Christ said, that are understanding when we say things, we are free to walk with the Lord. We're free. And our life is to uh, pursue His purpose. Not my purpose. Right? And connecting to a vibrant, biblically based, loving church is a critical tool. And that can steer us away from disobedience that we can start, all right, and avert and come from sin, the sinful consequences and divine discipline. Believers who are not a functioning part of a local church are living outside of the will. You hear that? Believe, and this is something that we all understand because when we are not functioning, we're, we become. We're not part of a functioning part of a local church and we're living outside of the will of God and limiting God's work in, in, uh, in our lives. Tragically, some of this, the letters readers had started neglecting together. together. He's speaking to someone. He's speaking to this church here. What they started to do, they started to neglect to gather together. Yeah, we take everything that's uh, uh, Holy Spirit breathed out of the scriptures and apply it to our own lives. This is how we grow. But be careful that we don't use these things to uh, hate other people or to uh, place judgment on other people without actually going into that throne room boldly asking God, what is it that's happening here with this brother and sister, with this family? What is it boldly going in and waiting patiently for confirmation? Mm. Oh, but we've prayed for them. Yeah. You could pray from a box. But entering that, that throne room boldly means that you're, you're seeking God. You're drawing near to Him to receive the absolute truth that the Holy Spirit's going to drive you to that recognition. But the enemy's going to be there also waiting for you to try and dis, dis, discern all that, to, to, to separate, to divide, to break what God has already started doing. See? And through our actions... Our decisions to act is how it's broken. Yeah, God, God does everything. Remember, we're He doesn't. We're not uh, uh, um, robots. He doesn't make us do anything. All right. He steers us so in a way that we can go that way. All right. You ever watch how sheep, horses are herded? Right. There's always one or two that are wandering stray off to the right or left side. Right? There's always someone, but everybody else goes with the flow, goes right in. And this is how it's done. And the enemy does it the same way. He recognizes this strategy also. 
But we can come from that when we go boldly into the throne room. We got to be careful when we use scripture to hurt people. Because, hey, the Bible also says, you know, be careful that you don't, uh, you don't uh, 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 cause one of these little ones to stumble and fall from the things that we say. You be careful with that. <coughs> we need to be careful with that. Because there are believers who are not functioning. Okay, they're not functioning with the local church. They are living outside of the will of God and limiting God's work in their lives. So it's evident that, that God's work is limited. But not everything or everyone is like that, you see. Because if you're in their life, if you're constantly in their life, excuse me a moment. Ooh, a little dry through there. If you're constantly in their life and you're walking with them, you're visiting with them, you're seeing, okay, the limitation of God's work in their lives from within the walls on how they are, how they live, what they do, then you have it now. You judge according to love of what you've seen and heard with your ears and seen with your eyes. Not by what you believe, what the thoughts have come to your mind. Because we can't trust those thoughts all the time. Okay, because that's where the battlefield is at. There's so much going on in our minds that if we listen to everything we think about, then we're going to fall away every time, all the time. We're never going to get anything done. We're going to sit back and do what? Get comfortable. Because right here, I ain't got to think about nothing. Right here, I keep Jesus in my pocket. Right here, I'm good to go. I'll pray from here. I'll pray from right here to you. And that's it. I don't need to go to you and do nothing nothing. See, because I'm absolute. Uh, is that what you're thinking? I'm absolute. Uh, a lot of them do think that. They think to themselves, I don't, I don't need to move. I can stay right here. I'm special. God, God placed me here and this is where I belong and I don't need to move from here. I don't need to go out there and act like he freed me for any purpose in my life that I have to do anything for him. Did he not say go out and make disciples? Oh yeah, he did. Oh yeah, he did. Of course, we do not see that. A lot of the brothers and sisters do not see that. Why? Because they keep Jesus in their pocket. So therefore, that's all they're doing. We call them in Spanish domingueros, Sunday goers. Huh? Once in a while, we'll come on Wednesdays and we'll look at here. Those are people that are intentionally doing it. This is what the author is talking about. Don't be like those people intentionally doing it. But you have brothers and sisters, families that go through this unintentionally and they're being judged by this. They're being shown by it. They're being told you are wrong. They're telling them, you are in disobedience with the Lord. And if you weren't, you wouldn't be doing this thing right here. You wouldn't be doing this. You wouldn't be doing this. Oh, man. You know, furthermore, there's someone ready to throw in the towel who needs you to walk alongside him or her. That is important. You need to listen to that and write that down there is someone ready to throw in the towel who needs you to walk alongside him or her. This is important. This is why we go to church to get refilled, but also to uplift those. Uh, uh, how can a newcomer to a church ever receive anything if um, he doesn't see testimony, doesn't hear testimony, he doesn't see people praying, he doesn't see God moving in the midst. He doesn't feel the presence of the Lord. 
doesn't feel the Spirit of God moving in the midst of them, how are they supposed to convert and say, yeah, you know what? God is real. I, I, Oh my goodness. And surrender their hearts through the Holy Scriptures. Yes, indeed. Hallelujah. The absolute truth of God will pierce their hearts. But it also is why uh, an assembly, why was the church put together in the first place for this very purpose? So that way we can look out for each other and not be without. That's not today. There are some communities that are living that way. Praise God. There's some communities living that way today. Where everyone is without. They all look out for each other. Everybody puts everything in the pot. Whatever is being made, it goes into the pot. Everyone is without. Everybody got a car. Everybody got a house. Everybody got a dog. Everybody got a cat. Everybody got everything they need. They're not without. There's communities this way. And what do they do? They keep the world out of it. They keep those things, the world, uh, the, the thoughts of the world out of it. They keep sin as far away from it as possible. No one's perfect. But this is... The intention of the Holy Spirit with the first Bible, right? I mean, with the first church. So here in the assemblies today, we're supposed to go to uplift those that need uplifting. Okay? And sometimes you find yourself uh, 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 soothing someone that's been soothed over and over and over again. And the decision has not been made by them. So now, in fact, we become uh, 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 enticers. We become uh, those that are... Convince to convince them. We, we're working hard to convince someone, and that's not our job. Our job was to plant the seed and pray to God, turn them over to the Lord. It can be hard to be a Christian. We need to be part practicing uh, uh, the one another's encouraging each other as we see the day approaching. We need to practice that. Let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works. Is big. Look out for one another to provoke love and good works. But what if you refuse to let others help you? What if you intentionally choose to rebel against the Lord? Well, if we deliberately go on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, what's that? That is, after hearing God's word, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. What remains instead? A terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury, the fury of the fear of fire. The idea here is will woeful sin against God, a sin committed because a believer develops a defiant spirit. A defiant spirit. This is the gaining of understanding of this verse here. A verse 24 through 25 gives us this clear understanding. Willful sin against God, a sin committed because a believer develops a defiant spirit. So we have to be careful. We tell people these things that this is what they're doing or we use these verses to, to draw people near in a, in a bad way like we're hitting them with it, right? It's like, you know, this is not for you. God uh, uh, deals with everyone according. Hmm? When uh, we were born into the world, we were born alone. And when we die, we're going to die alone. When we go to heaven and stand in front of the Father, we're going to stand in front of the Father alone. We're going to be judged alone. Therefore, when Christ asks you, what have you done with the time that I've given you? You have to have an answer. You have to give account for the things that you have done. Not the things that she, he, or they did. In fact, let's keep them as close as possible. 
as close as possible. And this is the problem. We get into uh, some denominations that are ideally uh, into dividing other people. I mean, come on. I had a uh, neighbor ask me one day, how come there are so many different denominations in churches? I said, because nobody wants to agree with each other. One person says, well, I don't like the way they're doing it. So we're going to start a church over here and we're going to name it this. And we're going to do it this way. And this is going to be our decree. And we're going to say that God wants us to be this way, which in fact, Christ is against sanctitarianism, which is division. He says those that are preaching his word, creating miracles in his name, will not suddenly turn around and curse him. So therefore, if they are with Christ, then they're not against Christ. But see, we divide ourselves because that's the mentality of man. Oh, we don't like the way they do it. We don't feel comfortable. You got a person come out and start speaking in tongues or whatever. Oh, everybody's going to draw to the left and let's leave. We can't be around these people. This doesn't sound right. <coughs> or vice versa. Oh, these people don't speak in tongues. Something's wrong with them. <laughs> I mean, you would think it goes only one way. No, it goes both ways because this is the enemy. The enemy has infiltrated, has gone in and done these things. But, but through the glory of God, we've been set free. And if we stay focused on this idea that we've been free to walk with him, we bring him everywhere. Lord, come with me here. My God, I know that you're there already. I'm heading over there right now. Praise you, Lord. The whole way there, when you get into that assembly, you're praising God and you start boom, 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 passing the, the touch Passing the Holy Spirit, the vibes left and right. And everybody starts hallelujah and clapping their hands. I've preached about this before. I've brought it to the assembly before and said, when one comes in faithfully from the street, from home, when we get up in the morning, the first thing we do is praise God. We don't go to meet God at church like they used to say. Well, let's go to church and meet God there. He's, he's with us. We're taking him with us. And if we're all bummed out and blue, and everybody in the assembly is bummed out and blue. And the preacher's got a hard time. He's got a lot of work to do. He's the one standing there doing what? What is he doing? He's bringing word. He's encouraging everyone that they are forgiven. That they can walk with the Lord. That they've been freed. Right or wrong? This is truth. This is truth. We're not children. We see what we do and we know what we say. And we say what we know because God has shown us what to say. And that's the only thing we should say, the things that the Lord wants us to say. Not what we think is right or wrong and how we should say it. So therefore, all these conversations take place that don't need to take place. All these things come out that don't need to come out. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the words of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. But this is what we continue to do. We continue to do this, do we not? Do we not? 
How does the writer of Hebrews define faith? Faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. To exercise faith is to have confidence about an expectation without visible proof that it will happen. What makes this confidence possible? What makes it possible? That confidence also scares people. It makes them nervous because they're not used to that type of uh, confidence, that type of love for Christ, that walk, that freedom walk. The trustworthiness of the object of faith. The question we must answer is this, is God trustworthy? And as I like to say, faith is acting like God is telling the truth. And if you want to increase your faith, grow in your understanding of God. Grow in your understanding of God. You have faith and you believe in God. You believe in these things. Believers of the past trusted Him by faith and want God's approval. Notice that each of the heroes of the uh, of faith mentioned in the, in the chapter acted on what they believed. A clear example of something Christians accept by faith is God's creation of the universe. We believe that what is seen, what was made from things that are not visible, by a being who is not visible. We trust that the Word of God created everything in all its vastness and complexity. That should encourage us that God may be doing extraordinary things in our lives for our good, even when we can't see what He's doing. In the following Hall of Faith, the author uses a repeated structure. He gives the name of an Old Testament believer, explains what he or she did, and uses the expression by faith to connect that person's actions with a belief system. In, in this pattern is a reminder that faith is measured by the steps of one's feet. Uh, uh, what was that? Faith. Reminder. Measured by the steps of one's feet, not by his feelings. Many faith-based decisions, in fact, go against feelings. We must therefore walk by faith in the integrity of God's word rather than by the gut instinct or emotionalism. Feelings are the, uh, the caboose. They don't get to drive the train. They're behind us. They're behind us. So therefore, in faith, we believe that we were freed to walk with the Lord. In faith, we believe that we are to please Him. In faith, we believe that we're to pursue His purpose. And faithfully, we believe that it's in our lives that we do these things. Thank you, brothers and sisters. We give the glory to God in the name of Jesus.